Yes, and. How can that simple two-word phrase improve communications between doctors and patients? This is Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, and I am Dr. Michael Greenberg. With me today is Lily Francis, owner of Laugh Out Loud Theater, with two locations here in Chicago and Schaumburg, Illinois. And today we're discussing improv comedy training and how it can improve your communication skills as a healthcare provider. Welcome, Lily. Thank you so much. I'm thrilled to be here. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Well, I have been doing improv comedy for over 20 years, and I have done improv all over the city and really all over the world. And when I was doing it, I I really had this desire to own my own theater. And that opportunity arose 10 years ago, and I started Laugh Out Loud in Schaumburg. I live in the city of Chicago, so about eight years in, Schaumburg was doing well and did not require as much of my time and was a success. So my husband and I decided to open a theater in the city of Chicago, which is a little bit more of a competitive market and a different market too. We've had a big learning curve. And that theater has been around for almost two years now. Now, besides the theater and producing comedy on stage, there's another side to improv, which is training people how to communicate. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Of course. Uh, One of the places that I worked for many years was the Second City. And at the Second City, I directed a national touring company, and I was one of the core faculty in their training center, which meant that I developed improv curriculum for different programs, and I taught a ton. And I also worked in Second City business communications, designing trainings for Fortune 500 companies. And it was using the skills that we deliver comedy on stage with and taking those skills and applying them in a business setting. So a disclaimer, I'm actually a student in Lily's school, and that's how I got to talk to her. Lily, let's talk about how being an actor on stage and being a doctor in an exam room, how you can use the skills of improv from the yes and on down. Sure. Well, we joke around about this in corporate trainings all the time, that we say we make everything up on the spot, which is what you do every day. We just admit that we do it. So there are no planned, rehearsed conversations that anyone has out in the real world. And I assume, especially with doctors in the exam room, you are hit with all different kinds of quote-unquote audiences. Every time you have a patient come in, you're dealing with a brand new interaction. And so some of the skills that we use on stage, this concept of yes and, yes, I understand what you're saying, and here is my feedback, lets the person know that you hear them and you understand what they're saying and you build upon that. So that's a biggie. We also teach active listening and working together as a team. And I know, especially if you're a doctor who's tackling illnesses, you probably are working with not only the patient, but their whole team of how you are going to work on that illness together. Sometimes the team might be comprised of other doctors, other specialists. Sometimes it may be family members, but having to work with a group of people while still moving forward. One of my favorite events that we did was with hospice care workers And we did actually an improv and custom comedy show where we wrote sketches. We got information from them. We wrote sketches about it. And I think that's also really important is humor. You know, so much of what happens in medicine and certainly in hospice care can be somewhat grim. But being able to face it with a little bit of humor and bring that into 
the situation, I think, can be really helpful as well. Well, it's kind of scary being a physician and going into a theater class. It doesn't seem like it would really go in sync. Can you tell us a little bit about other professionals that you've trained besides me, of course? We train all different kinds of people. And sometimes companies will say, oh, we're nervous because we don't think everybody's going to participate. And that's our job. We use humor to, you know, relax people. We construct our workshops in such a way that it's not like we say, okay, two people up on stage. That happens in class, of course. But if you notice, when you first started taking improv classes and when we first start teaching a corporate workshop, we have everybody doing things simultaneously around the room. So the spotlight isn't on one person or two people. And after each exercise, we ask for feedback. What did you experience there? What was difficult? What was easy? So it's, we're not looking for one correct answer. So in that way, we disarm people and we get them participating and laughing and having a good time, but also taking away learning. And then we graduate to more complex exercises where we have people maybe working together in a team of four or up on stage with a group of eight. And we get eventually to the point in improv class anyway, where we're doing two-person, three-person scenes. So, you know, being a doctor kind of means you have to be in charge of a situation usually. And that often gets to be difficult. One of the things in improv that I've learned is about working in a group. There are no stars in an improv team. There's only constellations. How do you think that could benefit patient care, getting us off the pedestal a little bit and becoming more human with our patients? Well, I think that speaks to what I was saying before about working together as a team. If you look at your patient as a partner in this, um, one of the things about improv is we say always make your partner look good. And in this, you always want to make your patient look good. You don't want anybody to feel like, oh, they don't understand or, you know, that even if they don't understand, you don't want to knock them down for that. You want to bring them up to your level. So you can think about it as taking the doctor off of the pedestal, but you can also think about it bringing the patient up to that pedestal or the fellow doctor or resident that you're working with or nurse or whomever else within your work environment that you are equals even if you have different degrees. So it's really about communication and about connectedness to people. I think that in the improv classes that I've taken, and I'm sure you can comment on this, you develop a connectedness with other people, colleagues, patients. What have you seen in other situations when you were doing workshops about the results of doing these workshops? Do you get them right away, or does it take a long time? I think you get a burst right away. And one of the things that I love about our improv training is that it is memorable. Because people are laughing, they're not just sitting passively watching a PowerPoint presentation or even half-heartedly participating in some kind of group exercise. They really remember it. And we give them um, vernacular that they can use later. For example, yes and. So we hear back from companies that like, oh, six months later, they're in a meeting and someone says, come on, yes and. And they remind one another of that learning. It doesn't just fall by the wayside. I know. In, in the board meetings with my partners, after I started taking improv, one of my partners turned to me and said, you don't argue anymore. What's going on here? And I go, isn't that more fun? Well, one of the things that I like to say is that when we teach yes and, a lot of times people gravitate towards it and embrace it. But there are a lot of people, it is fun to say no, and it's easier to say no. And we really live in a no society. And 
I encourage people, I invite people to use yes and to say no. You can say, yes, I understand your point of view and I completely disagree. It is a nicer way of, of arguing and it still lets the people know that I, the person know that I've heard your input. You could say, uh, yes, that's a great idea and we don't have it in the budget this year. I've effectively told you we're not going to move forward with your idea, but now you know why. And it is so much different than saying, no, it's not in the budget this year. People hear it differently. They respond to it differently. And to be someone who works on a team, or in my case, to be someone who runs a company, to be a person that says yes and, your door is open. It's an attitude. People know they can approach me with an idea. And even if I don't take that idea, I listen and I examine it and I let them know why we're not going to do it or why we're not going to do it at this time. But they also know I could very easily embrace that idea. And a lot of the great ideas that have come out of running Laugh Out Loud have come because I poll everyone that works at Laugh Out Loud. We have bartender meetings where I say, what can I do to make your job easier or better? And they, I mean, simple things like we need fans up. It gets hot behind the bar. So we put fans up. And then we need two registers. Well, we got a second register this year. So we have two bartenders and two registers on busy nights. And they're the ones on the ground doing the work. I need to listen to their input. Yes, and if you're just joining us, this is ReachMD, and I'm Dr. Michael Greenberg. I'm speaking with Lily Francis of Laugh Out Loud Theater in Chicago and Schaumburg. We're talking about how improv training can boost communication skills for healthcare professionals. So, Lily, let's get a little bit more specific. There is a center in Stony Brook, the Alan Alda Center, that teaches and does research about improv, and they say that they send teams out to do workshops all over the country. I haven't seen one personally around. I'd like to talk about more grassroots. You're a physician sitting in your office in suburban anywhere, and you don't have the ability to go to Stony Brook and train or wait for a training. How can people find local improv theaters or improv training? Well, most cities, even smaller cities, have an improv group of some kind. Or colleges. I mean, there are colleges all over the country. Colleges and universities have improv groups. Go and see a show. I do work with Michigan State University, and they love us so much. They have brought us back to the accounting department, the business department, and this like theoretical sciences department. And in that, the theoretical sciences department, it's not even a department, it's a major or something, and they generate ideas and quote-unquote future artifacts and these are things that will change the world a hundred years from now and so they really let their imaginations run wild and come up with these different ideas of this is what healthcare could look like this is what our criminal justice system could look like and then they have us improvise a long form for 20 minutes off of scenes off of what the world would be like with that object or concept in it and the first time we went and did it, we did it for a whole number of science professors. And they were just watching improv. They weren't even participating in a workshop of any kind. And we finished, and they didn't even want to talk about the artifact. They wanted to talk about what we did on stage. How did you know what this person was going to say? How did you know that you guys were in a kitchen? How, like, what, how, you know, they were just mystified by it. So even just going to see a show 
I think you would learn from that experience. And then talk to the actors afterwards. Find out how they trained, where they trained, and if there are any classes being offered. In our classes, both in Chicago and Schaumburg, we have people who are taking it to perform improv and become an improviser, which you make very little money doing that, to get better at public speaking, to get better at their jobs, to get out of the house on a Monday night. Everybody takes it for their own reasons, and that's also something that I love. And I think we doctors could get more comfortable with ourselves and with talking to patients. I know the last show that I was at, actually I was in, was a jam. One of my colleagues from the hospital was there, and he thought it was so cool that I was there. And the next thing I know, he was up on stage having a great time, and actually was pretty good. I'm trying to talk him into taking classes just for fun. I think a number of our listeners of doctors will be sitting there saying, well, that's okay, but... I'm not an actor. I don't have those skills. I'd I'd be terrified to get up there and make a fool of myself. And yet we learn in improv, it's like you're supposed to make a fool of yourself or you're not doing it the right way. Can you comment or or give some suggestions to the guy who's scared out there? And actually what I hear that you did not say, I hear this all the time, I'm not funny. And, oh, that's what I love about improv is that all you have to do is build on what the person next to you said. And that's where the comedy comes from. It, you don't have to be, quote unquote, funny. You don't have to be a good actor. You will get more comfortable on stage. And you're right. It's making a fool of yourself. But when everybody's doing it, it's no longer foolish. And it's taking that risk to step out and do something unique and individual, and people will hop on board. So it is not one person like stand-up comedy where one person is standing there with a microphone. And it is a group of people. And so often when I tell people I'm an improviser or an improv comic, they say, tell me something funny. And I say, give me three or four other people. Because it's not about me. It is about the group and the group mind, and that's what makes it so magical. And wouldn't that be nice to have a group mind with your patients and at least know what they're thinking? And to me, improv is is not about comedy. It's really about connectedness because scenes only work when I connect with my scene partner. It doesn't matter what we're talking about. When I'm on stage, the things that I think aren't funny at all, the audience is laughing at. (laughs) I don't try to be funny. I just try to be me. What do you see as your future here 10 years from now in the way of communication with physician groups or other business groups? Oh, I would love to have regular seminars. I would love to have regular seminars that happened at Laugh Out Loud that groups could come to us. So often when we're booked, we go to the group and that, and we hold the workshop at their space, which is fantastic. But to be able to host classes that people signed up for here, I think would be great as well. Well, thank you very much. Um, I, I think that you've given us a lot of advice, and I think we would encourage any physicians out there to just go try it. Like you said, go to a show first for fun. Talk to the actors. We're human. We, actors love to talk to people after a show. My thanks to our guest, Lily Francis, of Laugh Out Loud Theater in Chicago and Schaumburg. We've been discussing how improv training can help make healthcare workers better and maybe funnier communicators. To download this podcast and others in this series, please visit ReachMD.com or download the ReachMD app. We welcome you to share, like, and comment on this podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Michael Greenberg, and this is ReachMD inviting you to be a part of the knowledge, and thank you for joining us.